0: Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys, part of the Once Upon a Podcast Network. My name is George Soroy, and thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for being here for over 200 episodes. It has been an amazing run so far. And with the birth of the Once Upon a Podcast Network, it has just been getting better and better. And I see no stopping us. I hope that if you are listening, you are taking the time to go to onceuponapodcastnetwork.com to take a look at all of the other podcasts that we offer. We have a total of seven shows, this one included, that are all focused on inspiring, motivating, celebrating, educating, and even rejuvenating creatives of all kinds. I really hope you like what we have in store there. One of the things that is talked about quite a bit in all of writing really is reimagining various topics for different audiences. That's something that we've seen quite a bit, mainly in the YA market. We've seen a lot of fairy tales getting reimagined for the YA audience for a different, you know, setting them in, in modern times, setting them with stronger female characters with different situations that, that reflect those original stories. But one of the things that I really find fascinating is when the, the author makes the attempt to take things that are you, you would not think could possibly be reimagined for a specific type of audience. And I was, I was convinced of that until I got to see the works of Holly Michelle and I got to see how she has been able to take monsters. Edgar Allan Poe, Dorian Gray, and even zombies and repackage them as stories for children. It completely blew my mind when I saw this. And I knew that she had to be on this show to tell us all about this because that's really going the extra mile when it comes to reimagining stories. We're no strangers to reimagining. Like I said, there are, there's always a reimagining of stories everywhere, but To go to this extra level to not only not only write these stories for kids using zombies, using Edgar Allan Poe, using Frankenstein, using Picture of Dorian Gray, everything that's that's there and present it to a whole new audience. That's really just starting to read and also provide the illustrations as well. This is something that that definitely deserves a lot of attention. So it is my pleasure to introduce my guest this week, Holly Michelle. Holly, how are you?
1: Hey, George. Thank you for the well warm welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: And thank you so much for being here as well. So so you have been incredibly busy recently. I understand that you've gotten, in addition to the kids' books, the focus on zombies, which we're definitely going to be getting to. You you've been doing some additional reimagining of other stories as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have coming out?
1: Yeah, sure. For September 1st, I'm gonna have out three books in the series called Once Upon a Christmas Jury. The whole mm-hmm. idea is taking classic literature and authors that we love and reimagining it for the whole family. That's going to include Frankenstein meets Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of fun. All the stories are in rhyme. But those who are familiar with the book, not necessarily the movie, because it's they're very the movies are very different, you know, oh, yeah. it kinda ends in the Arctic and the North Pole. So what happens when when and if Santa Claus intervenes? You know, can he see the creature and Victor Frankenstein?
0: So oh, that that's one great.
1: is that's my, probably <laughs> one of my favorites. It's one of my all time favorite novels, especially I love YA. And mm-hmm. you know, people don't really think of Frankenstein as YA, but it actually, it is. <laughs> but and then we have Edgar Allan Poe's 12 Days of Christmas." I am a huge Edgar Allan Poe fan, mm-hmm. maybe a fanatic. The whole basis of that is taking all of his stories and basically weaving, like, kind of like weaving them through the twelve days of Christmas. Um, oh wow! The great, the great thing about that particular one is that it's going to have there's always a word glossary in these books because I do like to not, I like for, if you're not certain of a word, I like for you to have, you be able to look it up, but also to right. have like Edgar Allan Poe reference. So maybe somebody who's just maybe familiar with the Raven or Annabelle a can see like, Oh, if I'm mentioning like, you know, certain characters, like, you know, like the Usher twins, like where is this from? How can I get more information from that? Yeah. So that one's a lot of fun. And then we have Dorian Gray's 12 days of Christmas, huge Oscar Wilde fan. Completely in love with <laughs> Dorian Gray. <laughs> you know, this is great for Pride Monk, Dorian Gray. Uh, yep. And that was kind of like the same concept. I mean, he's pretty much really a naughty little boy, but, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he finds Christmas spirit. And there were some like Oscar okay. Wilde Easter eggs in that as well, which are also going to be in a, a reference section for Oscar mm-hmm. Wilde. Yeah. Oh,
0: so That is, that is yeah. fabulous. I love that. Now, I, I am really curious to see like exactly what it was that really steered you toward taking these types of stories, which are definitely geared toward an older audience, especially Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. And to say, you know what this you know what the kids need these days as they're getting ready to learn how to read? They need to know a little bit about the Raven. So so yeah. I'm I'm fascinated by that. I think that's that's a terrific, that's a terrific way to introduce these types of stories to them
1: yeah now like Edgar Allan Poe for instance like I think I first got introduced around seventh or eighth grade I had some friends who were teachers and you do get introduced to some things early on but Mm -hmm. mine is actually taking it even earlier again has I have another series called Edgar Allan Poe reimagined where it actually takes his stories, so it's like the basis is still the same but Mm -hmm. it actually is retold in a way that children can relate to. Like my very first book, which is The Bells, which is a chilling Edgar Allan Poe Christmas story. His famous poem, The Bells, which is all known for sound, and actually was Saturday Visitor nominee last year. Wow. Anyway, so the whole point of it is, is like he's introduced, he has all of Edgar Allan Poe's words in there. And then in rhyme, I introduced a new story about what happens if the Christmas Krampus comes. And can Edgar Allan Poe save all the naughty little boys and girls from him using his writer's wit? So So he's he's, the hero. Yeah, in this book, yeah. I mean, sometimes naughty boys can win if they are clever enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but it's just like a fine way. You're hearing the entire poem of the bells, but you're also getting it in a Christmas story, which is a lot of fun for adults and kids. Okay. Um, So the same concept we we do, actually, one of my favorites is actually The Raven, which is an Edgar Allan Poe Christmas story, which Mm -hmm. is actually Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, and they're married together. So the entire Raven is told through The Christmas Carol. So, like, The Raven shows a young Edgar Allan Poe, the past, present, and the future, with the future being The Mask of the Death, which is one of our famous stories. Wow. So, yeah.
0: That's great. So it's, That's so yeah. cool. So, it's like so, so, the, so, the ra- so the Raven himself is acting as the ghost of Christmas past, present and future.
1: Exactly. Yep. Huh. kind of morphs into this, like like this mask, like, yeah, like skeleton. All the yeah. other I do do, and they're all child tra- friendly. I do have some sensitivity readers. It's funny. Yeah. Like, you're talking about the zombies. Like I have always loved zombies. My one sister is definitely afraid of them. So mm-hmm. there's no gore. It's all fun. There's no, like, axe in the head. Because I've seen some stuff like that drawn for children. To me, that's not for children. Because those the zombie series is, like, 10 and under. I, Edgar Allan Poe, I say, like, 6 to 12. Because, really, the books, all ages. I have a lot of adults buy the Edgar Allan Poe books. A lot mm-hmm. of teachers. You know, because it's just another fun way for, you know, for you to be introduced to him. I do the style of the illustrations for the reimagine, Very mm-hmm. cartoonish. Again, tries nice. to help kind of make sure you realize it's for kids and it's not meant to be anything devious or scary. Yeah. Cause you know, as a child author, they don't like the scary, it's spooky.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: but like and then the series that's coming out, we were talking about the once upon a Christmas juries, That's still child oriented but family oriented. So the illustrations are a little bit more serious. Yeah. Just like a little more folk verse cartoon, uh especially mm-hmm. with AI becoming so prevalent. It's nice to, you know, I think it's you're going to see, like, a resurgence of people wanting hand-drawn illustrations versus computer illustrations so they know that they're done by a human. Yeah. So I can help me, hopefully. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, one of the things that I really like to – get into is what I call the lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment in time when anyone experiences someone or something, meet someone, see something and just kind of makes them want to say that is the direction I want to go in. That's the kind of life I want to lead. That's the kind of person I want to be now for you was, was your love of writing first or was your love of horror first? Because you can't do this without a love of the horror genre. So what, what, <sighs> What do you think really grabbed your attention? What was it that made you want to start writing in the first place?
1: Well, I mean, I guess I'd have to say it was my love of horror before writing. To be Mm -hmm. honest, like I always wrote silly things, I always wrote poetry. I -hmm. sometimes pretend I'm in like a musical and I talk all in poems, like to my husband, like I'll be rhyming, like I think I'm Dr. Zeus kind of thing. Oh, no. So I've always (laughs) kind of been, I've been like, I'm really a silly person. So there's always been that. Yeah. I started writing as self therapy. Nothing mm-hmm. is cheaper than writing. So if you're having some issues, try it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of basically started, and my first dabble in it was actually a YA epic fantasy, where I kind of started writing that, and I really liked it. And I really fell in love with the characters, and I was like, okay, this is like my thing. I did some like kind of like quick il- illustration sketches with that. Mm-hmm. And then in between edits, because like it took a long time with the editor I was using at the time, I was like, I have all this downtime. And I was working on a YA Jersey Devil book, because I'm from South Jersey. I live right on, on the same street that Jersey Devil was born on. Really? And my sister says to me, like, hey, like, why don't you write like, a Jersey Devil kid's book like, to go with your, like, your, you know, your young adult book? Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't write a kid's book. And she's like, well, she's like, just try it. So I sat there and I wrote my first kid's book was actually Jersey Devil in the Dark, Dark Night. And I had a lot of support and success with that when I first published it. And I was like, holy crap. I was like, and I enjoyed it because I've always been an artist. People, when you would think of me in school, I got voted most artistic. I've always been considered like the artist. Yeah. And I was like, wow, okay, well, maybe, like, as I'm waiting for these adult books, you know, which take a long time, as you know, to actually get Mm -hmm. it from writing it to getting out into the world can take a while. And I was like, you know what, I was like, I'm gonna start doing these kids books, because since I'm doing the illustrations, it doesn't cost me a lot, It's just my time. Mm -hmm. And I'm old school. So I like literally draw them and scan them, (laughs) and format my work, you know, like, so that was the first is the Jersey Devil one, kind of from there. Jersey Devil again, this is like 10 and under, all in rhyme, kind of had his own little series there. So, yeah, so you,
0: so when you did the first children's book, that was all in rhyme.
1: Oh, yeah, every single child's book I've ever published is always in rhyme. Wow, I'm big in rhyme, I love rhyme. I know Mm -hmm. poetry, I'm actually a judge right now for this poetry contest, and I'm trying to like teach myself, like, it doesn't have to rhyme, Holly, you know. It's just something that I really like. And especially rhyming for children is, you know, great for you to like, if you're not sure of a word and you don't want to be embarrassed, because I kind of feel like too, like poetry and children's books are meant to be read right out loud.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I want it when you hear it for it to sound good out loud.
0: Nice. So I'm like
1: big on that. So yeah, and I love writing in rhyme. It's like even like some of my adult books, I like do some spells and stuff. It's always in rhyme.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice. That's great. That's great. Have you done like songwriting or anything like that? Or no, it's funny. Are-
1: I'm a family of all artists. My brother is the musician of the family. So I leave that to him.
0: <laughs> nice. 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 So you did that. So you did that first book and then you felt like that was something that you feel like you can go forward on?
1: yeah definitely you know what it's nice to have like success acknowledgement like that first jersey devil book it it, it reached one the amazon like you know number one spots for a little bit Mm -hmm. and it kind of gave me the pat on the back because i was kind of like you know when you put things out into the universe you're really not sure there's so many so many authors so many great authors and books that you never really notice if you're gonna get noticed i mean Mm -hmm. there are so many people out there that are great better than maybe even like like known authors, they just never get their chance to shine. Right. You know? So, I mean, I kind of, when I put it out there and I had a little bit of success with it, I was just like, okay, well, at this point I had decided that I was quitting my day job because I hated it and it was sucking my soul, Mm -hmm. you know? And I decided like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And, you know, I have to be in it. So I was like, well, still like love doing the young adult, It's my favorite time period. And I like creating characters. Mm-hmm. Especially when you feel like your whole life is chaotic and out of control. It's nice to control something. <laughs> like somebody else's life yes. like something.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I know that but, feeling all too well. Yep.
1: Yeah. So, like, so I kind of just, it's a nice medium. And sometimes like, when you need a break from editing, because editing for me is grueling. Like, mm-hmm. I like to do the art. The art has always been, I've always tried to be artistic. Whether it's, like, redoing furniture, drawing pictures for friends. And I'm big on characters. Like, this is something that I think it's a nice you know, it's, it's, it's nice for me to be able to float to different things. Like I'm one of those people, I don't have a set writing schedule or drawing schedule. It's like, I do have these deadlines, which I try to be really lenient. That's why mm-hmm. it's like summer now and I'm illustrating. I have like five more illustrations on the 12 days of Dorian Gray, which mm-hmm. I know will be out for September 1st. So I can I feel comfortable getting my pre-order out within the next month. And I'm not. I don't try to put any sort of pressure with yeah, me and Anxiety are not friends, so I don't ever want to put any pressure on myself, which is great when you're an indie author. It's yours. Yeah, that was
0: one thing I was going to ask too, like if you had if you had a, a publisher or like a small press publisher, or I, if you were just doing it all on your own.
1: I'm doing it all on my own. In the very beginning, I actually had someone reach out to me, like a small, someone out of, I forgot, someone out of Pennsylvania, again, like a small publishing house for the Jersey mm-hmm. Devil book. Yeah. But at the time, I kind of was like, you know, like, what are you doing for me that I can't do for myself? And right. I, I didn't really do anything else with that.
0: How do you stay on schedule being an indie author? Cause really the only, the only person that you have to be accountable to is yourself. Correct.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm really, really fortunate that I, I do the writing full time now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just basically setting my days. I think sometimes my friends and family think like, I just, I don't know what they think I'm doing at home. Like they mm-hmm. keep calling me. Oh, you're not outside today. I'm like, no, I'm like writing and I'm drawing. I'm like, no, like guys, like I actually have a job. Like it kind of makes you feel kind of like some way, like they don't value maybe what I'm doing. I'm like, no, no. Like I have to set this time aside. I can't just go Mm -hmm. lay out in the sun or do whatever you guys think I should be doing. You know, because I do, I do make these deadlines. I mean, they're primarily for myself because I do feel like readers can be fickle. I mean, I, 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 as myself, I feel like I'm fickle. Like you don't yeah. want to lose any sort of trust in your, in your readership. You know, if I say I want to like, you know, I've been trying on my lo- online to I'm saying these stories are going to be out September 1st and you know, they better be out September 1st.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Or, I mean, That's great. It's like
1: I do give myself that leeway. I mean, at this point, I feel I have formal illustrations to do. Um, two of the books are on their final like proofing. I mean, I I mean I'm confident. Yeah, you know, I don't set I try to be realistic. I mean, I think, you know, all you can do is give yourself a realistic schedule. You know yourself, you know what you can demand. you have in your other daily things you have to get done.
0: Yeah. So you do you go the full distance like as in you are purchasing your own ISBNs and you're setting everything up on both Ingram Spark and, and Amazon so that way you can reach both audiences in both ways
1: yeah so i i know we talked before like i'm very computer illiterate almost like i'm i really struggle Mm -hmm. with it but i have and i'm the beginning by now i i buy my own s ispns i just really i recently started doing ingram ingram sparks because like their amazon is so user-friendly like for someone like me it's a blessing ingram is not like their setup yeah horrible like no no this, i'm sorry i know they're great yeah. for distribution blah 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 but for someone like me compare like used to using amazon's platform i mm-hmm. mean i had a couple years ago tried to do some of my kids books in hardcover and i kept getting things sent back like not right well why is it not right on amazon i see automatically what's wrong and it's yeah. like i tried to email them and it took forever and they didn't answer the question so i recently yeah. tried again and i have little zombie boy is in hardcover now but I know mm-hmm. they just changed their policy again. But then I had to make it – I had to do like – you know, then it's costly because I want to make a change. It was like $50 every time I to want to change something. I'm like,
0: Oof.
1: really, guys? So now I finally – now it's the upload is free to do yeah. that, which is big, you know. I mean, because I kind of felt like, hey, like if I have a book that's not selling great – I mean, yeah, of course, kids' books are – most people want to buy kids' book in hardcover. Mm -hmm. So I kind of realized I was missing out on like a portion of those people who are like, well, I'd rather spend extra money and have a kid's book and hardcover. So that is kind of like my, after I'm done with these series, I am going to start putting everything over into hardcover. Since Amazon does do hardcover now, but Mm -hmm. no picture book hardcover. Which was so sad. You have to have a minimum of 75 pages to do Amazon hardcover.
0: So with that in mind though, are you thinking of maybe combining them like into like omnibus editions?
1: Yeah, well, that, what happened is with the A reimagined, I have the oblong box, which is a Grand Christmas mystery, will yeah. also be out soon. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do like an A Grand Christmas collection where I'll have, you know, the bells, the raven, and the oblong box. So three stories in one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, traditionally a kid's book is around 32 pages. Mine tend to go a little bit longer, which I'm right. okay with because I, I want it to be long enough to tell the story. Mm hmm. You know, uh, so I'm okay with it going a little long. I have to go a little long, even though that costs me more money. I'm more about the overall for me. Like, mm-hmm. even me as an artist as well. Like, I want, because, like, even on the Dorian Gray book, I'm over illustration. I was like, oh, I just need one more illustration at the end with him with the portrait. I was like, I just need it. So I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to do it. Like, yeah. But, yeah. So I am going to do that Christmas collection, and then eventually I'll also do like an Edgar Allan Poe spooky collection, which will have the three reimagined stories together. But the other ones, I think, because even though they're, I'm bulking them into a series, they're not really related, so I'm just going to do those each as their own hardcover.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's that. I I I love the direction that you have. You know, for these, it's very like almost like quote the raven. This book is for all ages. So. Like, yeah
1: right. <laughs> I love that, George. I'm stealing that.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll give you credit. <laughs> All right. There you go. So this, so this is just blowing my mind. So when, when you got that first book out there, um, for the the first kids' book, what was the feeling when you saw like, oh wow, this is really catching on.
1: Oh, I was like super excited. Like then, like I was still. I bought my money desk. Now I was doing my art. In our house because we never unpack husbands in the military so we travel a lot but this is our forever home i was like on the floor on a cat bed with my cat and i saw like amazon numbers i was like calling everybody and i was like i have very few friends i can count them on my hand i'm like oh my gosh you if you're going to buy my book like no pressure but if you're gonna buy it buy it today you know Mm -hmm. but you know because i was like so excited
0: Oh, that's, that's great. So was it the feeling of just like, I really hope this is success because I have some other ideas for it or was it the oh success gosh. that prompted the other ideas?
1: No, So uh, absolutely. I am, I hate to say like, I'm never present and there's people who are not present because they're on their phone and there are people mm-hmm. not present because they're in their head thinking of like a different magical world. So I'm, right. I'm the latter. So like I have so many ideas and mm-hmm. it's, like, especially for that new series coming out, Once Upon a Christmas Jewry, I have so many adaptions. I want to do A H.P. Lovecraft one. I'm Lovecraft?
0: Do- yeah. Hold on.
1: <laughs> Hold yeah. on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Lovecraft. You're going to take yeah. Lovecraft and, and make it for, for, for kids.
1: I, yeah. Now, there is one. There is a Lovecraft kids' book, like the Cthulhu book. But I want to yeah. do, like, the Christmas Cthulhu.
0: The Christmas so I, Cthulhu. Yeah. Oh, my. That so is it's, fantastic.
1: It's, it's in the rough draft. Like, I started writing some things because I wasn't sure. I'm going to obviously have him as a character. I can see how I'm going to illustrate him. Yeah. But, like, I wasn't sure, like, if I'm going to do it kind of, like, with a lot of Easter eggs because, I'm you know, I'm mentioning different things. Like, the Pippins Mall is my favorite story. I know yeah. Netflix just did a really great one with Ben Barnes and Christian Glover in there, and it was awesome. But I kind of was, like, yeah. So there, there's that, you know, so I'm hoping these series do well because at the end of the day, they do have to pay for their copyright. Yeah. They have to make me a little bit of money. So I know people into it. And then I'm a huge, like Alice's adventures in wonderland. So I do have one written the how the mad higher shapes Christmas. Yeah. That one's a lot of fun. There's illustrations. I got to wash myself with that one because it's being redone. Anything Disney is obviously under copyright. You know, yeah, so Disney is going one, to be looking
0: at that, looking at that very closely. So yeah, so
1: that was I'm kind of like, like I really have to watch. You know, some of the I'm going to kill his name, Tennel, like the guy who did the original drawings, Sir, okay. I Sir, Sir John, or Sir Arthur Tennell. I should actually know that, but I don't. Mm-hmm. But like you know, like you, his illustrations are free game if you want to play on those. But yeah, anything like Disney related, because mm-hmm. even like the concept of Alice in Wonderland, it's the book's not actually called that. So right. is like, it
0: Alice's Adventures in Wonderland?
1: Yeah, and there's two, two different, then, yeah, and then the, Through the Looking Glass. Through the so Looking
0: glass, like, glass, right, yeah.
1: Disney has, like, warped so many of our brains, like, into what we, we think this the books of Al or whatnot, right. but yeah, so I do have some, and I really want to do one with Dracula. They get, um, Dracula, okay. A Christmas now, Dracula story. Now, they got, I like, the, you
0: know, like they, I know that, you know, we have the Adam Sandler take with the Hotel Transylvania, and... That's you know that you know, there there's been a history of Dracula, you know, being played for you know little kids. You know, there is obviously like there is the Castlevania old Nintendo game, you know, and so there. Oh, are, I so- love
1: I love you yeah, know the tre- Trevor Belmont. My son's name is Topher Belmont. So vampire oh, nice. hunter. <laughs>
0: oh, so, oh, Simon Belmont. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh my God! I'm saying Trevor because all for of the Castlevania show. You're right. It's Simon, right. the original. Yep. Yeah. So sorry. yeah,
0: that's yeah. I mean, that's that's what I grew up on. Like, I remember, I remember them just butchering the character for Captain and the game Master. He's just like, oh, I actually up.
1: love, it. I I love that show though because he was yeah. such a goober. But I loved him. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was such, that. it was
0: such a, it was such a, ra- you know, like a random take on it. Just like, really, okay.
1: <laughs> I like the idea of being sucked into the video game. though. I was like, man, yeah, you know happened to me.
0: <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> so whatever so so Dracula's definitely had his had his forays into more kid friendly kid friendly yeah. ventures zombies, however <laughs> now that's a really interesting turn, and that's what really grabbed my attention here so what it how'd you do it? this <laughs> is like zombies themselves like they're they're not exactly they don't come off as some as someone that would even even like when they're done for, say, you know, for Nintendo, for Nintendo Entertainment System, you know, like the, the zombies that are in the types of book, the stories that are in there and the games that are in there. It's definitely there's definitely an a edgier element that, that that come up with that. I mean, that's just part of their part of their nature, you know, like ever since Romero came up with that iteration of zombies. So what how'd you do it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess like for me, it's like I've always liked zombies because I kind of feel like you see all different interpretations, like from Mm -hmm. the one where they're mindless to the one where they're fast. It's like Mm -hmm. I kind of like to parts where they have some memories of their past life. I, Mm -hmm. I kind of just always been interested in zombies. I was a science major before I turned to writing. So I've always been interested in anatomy and weird science things. Like in in my young adult books, I always, I try to do, approach magic science scientifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, for me, like the zombie was just fun. I love drawing, like, I like, I like drawing like pieces of their, it sounds really, this would sound weird for a child, but drawing Mm -hmm. pieces maybe with their face missing. I mean, it's kind of gives you the thing, like you can see what's underneath and, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Like I may look kind of grotesque to you or not what you're normal, what you're used to see, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person, you know? Oh,
0: okay. So I
1: kind of view it as, and a lot of those stories with a lot of my kids' books, I do that in the Jersey Devil book too. Like, you you know, you think that these are bad people, but they're not. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, so I kind of like to play on the idea of like, so my very first book, Little Zombie Boy, he's actually scared himself of himself. He's actually scared of ah. he's zombie, so he kind wow. of wakes up crying, <laughs> like Aww. yeah, you know. And then like kind of the book is like, you know, you don't have to be scared, you know. Like in his one, he like pulls his eyes out. And he's playing with them, and he realizes he can have fun in the graveyard and. You know he gets to eat. You know, use his imagination when they're out of brains at the restaurant. He imagines like little eyeballs in his spaghetti. He's having fun. And then he gets to hang out with Frankenstein and go to a party with like skeletons. And at the end, it's kind of like, <laughs> hey, you realize that you know being a zombie is not so bad. You know now, Ruben to see how cool you are. Even though he got in trouble wow. for staying past his curfew. Yeah, Mama are awesome. <laughs> like oh, you, you got out of your grave for like yeah without asking. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. You know,
1: yeah, I kind of always do it in a way like that where I've always been sympathetic towards the villain in every show. I know today yeah. villains are gray, they're not black and white like they used to be. Right. But even still, I am always like, because I said to my husband, Am I like crazy? Like, I'm always about the villain. Like, I always mm-hmm. see that other side of them. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Well, I really actually feel sorry for them. Like, they shouldn't have died. Like, mm-hmm. they were justifying what they were doing. And this is why <laughs> I've always yeah. kind of been sympathetic towards the villain. And trying to paint a different portrait of them, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, what people may not see, like zombies are totally cool. Like I, the zombie Thanksgiving one, uh-huh. which is kind of fun, which is a little nod, like you know, with the, you know, think with all like eating, the, eating the meat and everything. But he has to go, he has to go vegan for uh, for Thanksgiving because his cat ate the last turkey. So it's just a lot of like fun, wow. little
0: you know. <laughs> That's great that's yeah. great I love it I love it so when you put when you decided to go in that direction and you got that first book out what was the reaction to that
1: yeah little zombie boy is my best selling book I don't know if you saw this like I don't know the last couple months like I've heard other authors I'm friends with like the sales have just been wonky but yeah. on a normal day Little zombie boy is my best selling book and people really like that book most. And then I guess it was just natural for me. It's like, well, I have a take on the boy. So then I Mm -hmm. do like, I did little zombie girl, which is, you know, for the girls. Gotcha. I mean, even though zombies are definitely niche. So usually like a parent who's into zombies is going to maybe get their kid a zombie book. Yeah. And the the problem with being like a quote unquote spooky author for kids Mm
0: -hmm. is
1: that every kid's level of sensitivity is different. And even though I always try to portray them as the good guys, and as not like nothing gory per se, like, you right. know, like, I don't draw blood or anything like that in the books. Mm-hmm. Like every kid's different. Like I've had people who are like, you know, a kid, if they're into that, they're into that and you know that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of yeah. like that fine line where, Hey, some people may think the book is too scary, which is always sad when I hear that. Cause I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, really guys, like there's like, cause I mean, it's happy. He like the little zombie boy has a cat. little Mm -hmm. zombie girl has a dog. You know what I mean? Like I try to be like us, like as if, you know, they have like brothers and sisters and other family members.
0: But Mm -hmm. Is there one where like where the little zombie boy like wants a new friend and tries to bite a human being to make him a friend, to make him a zombie too? And then it's just like, it's coming all shapes and sizes.
1: I I steer away from some of the biting lore. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know if I just did that naturally because that's scary to people. I do have an origin story, which is called. This is going to sound horrible. It's called Zombies Fart. So it's an <laughs> origin story about how other zombies are made, and it's actually from eating like toxic. You know, kind of going back mm-hmm. to the uh, kind of created it, and uh, so if you're around the zombie that far, chances are you may go zombie. But oh. yeah, I, I don't know why. I really, yeah, I stayed away from the the biting thing for whatever reason.
0: Well, that's that's a smart way to look at it. Cause yeah, yeah. Cause then all of a sudden you, you run into the issue of kids, kids trying to emulate kids, that. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And
0: yeah. Kids and so you don't want
1: to. Yeah. Like the farting. Like I always said, I would never write a fart book, but then I went and I did it. And I had people like <laughs> contact somebody, my sister, like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe your sister wrote a fart book. I was like, yeah, I know. But I was like, it's a zombie fart book. And I was like, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> In the zombie that is in the book, he has a pet skunk. So they're like extra stinky together. Like,
0: Nice. You know. Nice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so what, uh, so for those who are in that position where they, they love something, but at this end they want to, you know, kind of add their own niche to it. But at the same time, they're not sure if it's something that would play to a specific audience. What do, you ha- what do you have as a means of advice for them?
1: So they always say, like I'm part of a lot of author groups, and they always say to write with the audience in mind, right? Mm-hmm. I've heard this yeah. all the time. Write with your audience in mind. You know, you are the reader. What do you want to say? And I 100% get that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, again, I'm going against the grain here. And I am by no means a financially successful author. Not yet, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not to the point where I would want to be. But me, artistically, I have to do what I want to do. And I hope that there are other people like me who will catch on. I'm in a lucky position where I am the illustrator. So if you are a person who has to pay, especially a hand-drawn illustrator, to illustrate your book, you're talking a nice chunk of change. And yeah, for your first book, you should write to market. Absolutely. I mean... Mm -hmm. The problem with today in the children's book writing to market is basically completely opposite of the type of books I write. Mm. I mean, you want hand holding, like, I, which there's nothing wrong with it. I like things like that. I'm not saying I'm like anti yeah. type of things, but the books that are like top selling now in kids' books are mm. honestly probably books I wouldn't buy my children. It's just not. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like that I can teach you with life lessons. I mean, I guess it's nice to have it in a book, but yeah. I feel like books should be about using your imagination, telling a fun story. You know, they, they're, they're saying like, why can't Edgar Allan Poe said this in one of his letters? Why can't a story just be a story? Why is there having right. this deeper meaning? Like, why can't mm-hmm. I write something fun just for the sake of it being fun? And that's always like, like stood true for me. But yeah, I mean, writing to market is important because writing to market are people who are going to buy your books. Right. You know, when I was a kid, I liked spooky stories. There was not a lot. I have a couple of them. I've always collected kids books, probably mm-hmm. part of why I became a children's author. But I mean, I feel like you have to be true to yourself But if there's a way you can do that and still get that in there. I have seen yeah. some other monster type books been published since I've done mine. Which I mean, which is great because I feel like, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people like will look at my books and be like, well, I just don't know if like that's the right message. It's like, well, there's not a bad message. It's just a different way of telling a different story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, writing a market is super important. Like, I feel like I should do it and I contemplated doing it. And to be honest, I wrote a couple books that were more, I guess, to market than my usual. Mm hmm. They honestly, for me, maybe because I already got established as being like a spooky children's author, they didn't Mm -hmm. sell as well for me. But again, that's about branding, like when someone expects, you know what I mean? If I did a book called The Two Bears Held Hands," people would be like, what are you writing? Like, are they werewolf bears? So I kind of feel like Mm -hmm. you need to decide more about what your brand image is going to be, which is why I'm separating my children's books and my adult books. Mm -hmm. Even though they are, I feel like if you like those books, you'll like both. It's just yeah. it's part it's just part of branding because yeah. hey if you're an eighteen year old you probably don't want to read my book for ten year olds unless you just like look at cool pictures right but I mean, I think it all comes down to branding and kind of having an idea like who am I going to sell my books to like mm-hmm. me it's like I know like I'm going to sell my books to like some pretty cool crazy parents
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: and unfortunately do you do like
0: do you do like conventions and, th- and different conventions where you get to meet the fans that that you feel like would be a perfect fit for it.
1: Yeah, I do. Like, I'm in South Jersey, so there's this cool store. He's big online called the Underground. It says a lot of weird, wacky stuff. Oh, He's perfect. Local. He's local for me. Yeah, uh, he does a thing called the Art Walk twice a year. You got lots of artsy people, uh, mm-hmm. and these are these these are the people who normally buy my books. I mean, the Edgar Allan Poe group is a different. I mean, they're all their own select, you know, people. Like the Oscar Wilde fans are so different yeah. from the Edgar Allan Poe fans. It's kind mm-hmm. of fun to meet someone who's a little bit of both, like my myself. So yeah, I definitely try to do conventions that play to that, especially you know around Halloween. You know, people want those kind of books more often. Mm-hmm. So like you know, for like a lot of the zombie books and everything, it kind of goes in periods. Like all like those books will sell better around Halloween time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but like a little zombie boys. so everybody everybody loves that book, which is great because it's one of my favorite. It's done. The illustrations are done different. They're like done bright and neon with acrylic paint. A yeah. lot of mine are done in color pencil. I love the acrylic paint look. Yeah. It's funny. Like everyone in my family's an artist. So everybody's like a real critic. And they're like, eh. It's like, I love, <laughs> I love the, I love the style of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. And where can my listeners find you on social media?
1: Sure. I, I am trying to be, have a larger social media presence right now. I do have a Facebook page, which is just Holly Michelle. If you type in author, Michelle mm-hmm. has one L. So it's M I C H E L E. I do. I recently made a Twitter and an Instagram, mm-hmm. which I kind of repost really the same things. Yeah. I have no idea what my handle is because I keep changing it because they don't ever you know hear I me. Mean? So I'm kind right. of between doing that and my other one. So eventually my my new pen name for my adult books will be Holly Knightley with a K. Nice. And that will basically all the names will shift under that. But if you just go to my website, you can find all the links to that, which is just Holly Michelle with one l author.com.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Excellent. Excellent. Just like what Holly was saying, you got to you you got you gotta do if you're gonna go in this in this direction, it does help to to create something to market. But at the same time, you got to get your own passions out there. You have to get your own abilities, put them all together. You got to, you know, get your own work out there and you never know what kind of audience is waiting for it. This is a, this is definitely the type of audience that would, that would absolutely go nuts for, for this. And I am, I'm, thrilled for Holly's success as so far i am thrilled to see what she has to come come up with and i hope that for those of you who are looking to go in this direction that you were able to find this a very inspiring and motivating discussion so for holly michelle this is george saroy saying to all of you ever upward and i will see you next week While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.